1: You're listening to the QuickBook Reviews Podcast. Brighten your day with a book. Hello, my fellow bookworms. This is Philippa from QuickBook Reviews. How are you all? Well, I am well, having a bit of a day, although this morning I was walking through town, keeping my distance from everyone. Don't you worry. Antibacterial spray at the ready. No. Um and there was a car parked outside the bank, and in it were two people putting on masks. And I thought, ah, oh, funny. Normally, if I'd, in you know, a few months ago, if I'd seen people outside a bank putting masks on, I would think about dialing 999, whereas now I want to compliment them on their hygiene standards. Funny old world, isn't it? Anyway, oh my goodness, have I got some fantastic books to talk to you about today. I just can't wait. We've got a, an amazing author interview um, and i just better get started really, hadn't I? Now, first of all, I need to mention my lovely Facebook group Um if you are interested in joining us on Facebook, just look for the QuickBook Reviews podcast and come and join the join the fun. Uh, there's lots going on there, lots of talk about different books that we're reading, all very exciting. Um, so please come on to the Facebook group and we can have a chat. And I've had a question from that group. Mary's asked me, what do I drink before I make a podcast? Good question. My answer is strong coffee. Black strong coffee. It's the only way. And I haven't had any chocolate today before I'm talking to you. So let's see if that one works or not. Anyway, so we've talked about the Facebook group. Now let's get on to the book. So in today's episode, I'm going to be talking to you about the Organised Mum Method by Gemma Bray. My House is Falling Down by Mary uh, Loudon. I must find out how to pronounce her name properly, I will in a second. And The First Lie by A.J. Park. And also this glorious, lovely, wonderful book, The Miseducation of Evie Epworth by Matson Taylor. Now uh, my conversation with Matson is going to come on shortly. This book is just wonderful. Um, I'll read you the blurb because I can't do it justice. But all I, when I, I uh, sometimes I get contacted. Would you like to review this book? And I saw the line that says, um, "Moving, inventive, and achingly funny, the miseducation of E.B. Epworth is the most joyful of debut novels and the best thing to have come out of Yorkshire since Wensleydale cheese." I was, I was in. That got me straight away. I was like, "Yes, I am reading that book and reviewing it." Thank you very much. And I'm so glad I did. So the blurb is, and I hadn't read this blurb before I just got the book and I just started reading it. So uh, anyway, it is the summer of 1962 and 16 year old Evie Epworth stands on the cusp of womanhood. But what kind of woman will she become? Up until now, Evie's life has been nothing special, a patchwork of school, guides, cows, lost mothers, lacrosse and village fates. But inspired by her idols, Charlotte Bronte, Shirley MacLaine, the Queen, she dreams of a world far away from rural East Yorkshire. A world of glamour lived under the bright lights of London or Leeds. Standing in the way of these dreams, though, is Christine, Evie's soon-to-be stepmother, a manipulative and money-grabbing schemer who is lining Evie up for a life of shampoo and set drudgery at the stinky local salon. Luckily, Evie is not alone. With the help of a few friends and the wise counsel of the two Adam Faith posters on her bedroom wall, Brooding Adam... And sophisticated Adam, Evie comes up with a plan to rescue her future from Christine's pink and over-perfumed clutches. She will need a little luck, a dash of charm and a big dollop of Yorkshire magic if she is to succeed. But in the process, she may just discover who exactly it is she is meant to be. Now, when I was young, every Sunday we would sit watching TV, BBC TV, and we would eat tuna sandwiches. And there'll be classic TV programmes, Last of the Summer Wine, I don't know, Howard's Way, all sorts of things where there are great characters and it's proper Sunday night. Well, this book made me want to sit down and eat tuna sandwiches because it's Sunday night brilliant TV. It's something that takes you away from all that's going on now. It's, it's funny, not in a, oh my goodness, I'm lying on the floor funny, but it, it's funny. It did make me laugh out loud. I wasn't expecting it to, but it did. It's got brilliant characters. It's got a story so unique. Um, and you're just, you're just rooting for Evie. I do have to say the first page I had to read twice because I read it the first page. And I read it as I read all the other books, the crimes, the thrillers, everything. And this book is different. And I had to stop myself and think, what is this book? And start again. And straight away, I was there with Evie. It's just—it's glorious. Um, I, I can't think of any book that it's most like. Probably, Dear Mrs. Bird. I think I mentioned in in the the discussion with Matson. But it's it's unlike anything. But it's glorious. Um, and it. It's like the Darling Buds of May, but much better than that, I would say. Much more relevant, much more of this time, even though it's based in the 1960s. Um, it's a story with a soul. That's what I would say. Just wonderful. So here we go. This is a conversation uh, I just had with uh, Matson Taylor, author of The Miseducation of Evie Epworth. Let's start with... Uh, with the book, the process, because this is your first book.
2: Um, yeah, right? absolutely, yeah. my first book.
1: So, how long did it take to write? How did you get an agent? What What was that all like?
2: Um, it seems to, it took it seems to take about 30 years to write or something i think it took a long time i mean i've always wanted to write a book i did english literature at university in my first mm-hmm. degree and everybody always said oh neil you should write a book and i always wanted to write a book and i think i was just essentially too lazy to ever write a book and too too busy enjoying myself <laughs> so it's an idea that i've always had in my head that i'd like to write um but i didn't actually start writing this book until 2016, January 2016. I was, I think, I was probably on the verge of a, of a midlife crisis. I thought I've got to do something. I've got to start writing the novel. So I enrolled to Faber Academy,
1: yes, uh, the and I've six heard months right.
2: It was wonderful. It's the best thing I've ever done. It was this six months write a novel course. And it's terrifying because they make you write a novel. They make you start writing a novel anyway. And I turned up on the first week and I thought, oh, well, for the first few weeks, it'll just be general chit chat about writing and give me a few hints and tips. And within five minutes, the, the, the tutor, Shelley, was going around saying to everybody, right, tell me about your novel. And I just wow. thought, oh, God, you know, I, I don't have a novel. Yeah. Quick. <laughs> and I, quick, think of a novel. And I kind of blagged my way through it slightly with some of the academic work that I was doing. I'm a design historian, so I kind of got through that horrific moment through through my blagging <laughs> skills. And then came home and thought, no, I really am seriously going to have to start writing a novel. And, I, and I've had the, the, the EVE novel in my head for quite a few years. And I thought, well, I'm gonna do this. This is what I've always wanted to do. So that's when I started, it was January, 2016. I did two big drafts and I think this, but when I finished the second big draft, it was uh, January, 2019. So the actual writing was three oh, years. Yeah. So I'm quite slow. I must say, I've got two 2 part-time jobs. So I'm not, I am slow, but not not that slow. It,
1: it's not slow, it's methodical.
2: <laughs> exactly, thank you, yes. Um, and, and actually, the editing is the key thing. So, I mean, I, the first draft probably took a, a couple of years. And then and I think I got up to about maybe 95, 98,000 words. And then um, left it alone for about two months and then did the editing, took 20,000 words out had another to redraft and did the same thing. And yeah, so by January 2019, I thought, well, this is probably as good as I'm going to be able to get it. And I thought, well, I'm going to have to try and find out if it's any good now and I'll send it to an agent. So I had a look online and just saw which agents were interested in humour and the, which which agents represented the kind of writers I liked and the kind of book that I thought Evie would be similar to. And I, I had a list of 28 uh, and I thought, well, I'll just start going through five at five at a time. Um, for and I thought, well, I'll just send something out every every month or something. Great. Anyway, so I did. I sent my first five out, and I mean, it was amazing. Within twenty four hours, they were getting back to me requesting the full manuscript, and it it was just the weirdest thing because I just wasn't expecting that. at at all in any way I thought maybe by the time I get to agent 28 somebody might be slightly interested
1: it's the stuff of dreams it really is
2: it really was I can remember I was I've got a writing buddy from the Faber Academy and when we sort of we met the the Tuesday when it all happened and we were in a lovely little French coffee shop near where we both live and 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 like my phone kept pinging and it would be like another agent and and it was just I mean we were both it was hilarious we were laughing she was in floods of tears it was just so exciting it was absolutely amazing mm. so i had this week of of madness and and i was being sort of wooed i suppose by these five agents which was really straight i've never been wooed in my life you know i thought like i was being groomed it was wonderful <laughs> never again um, and yeah, it was great. So I, then I started off, set up all these meetings and Alice, who is my agent, um, was wanted to be the first person to meet me. She wanted to come into town and meet me on a Saturday and all of these things. I said, no, no, let's wait until next week. Um, so I met her first and she was great. I met a few others who were all really lovely, but I think Alice made such an amazing first impression on me. When she was reading the book, she was emailing live you know so she'd be like oh my god I'm on chapter three now this is hilarious and it was so strange because I was teaching at the time I teach at university and I'd go into class come out and there'd be another four emails of Alice you know going through all the chapters and it was really strange so that that's how I got the agent And, and it's funny because I subsequently found out from other friends that you tend to go with the agent who you first meet which is why apparently all the agents are desperate to be the, the first really? ones who meet people yeah I had no idea at the time and, and it was true yeah so oh it was very goodness. strange yeah that was and, just a year or so ago yeah
1: and then there's this because I always thought well you get an agent that's it but then you've got to go and uh, your agent's got to find your publisher as well so what happened with that?
2: Yeah, well, cause, well, I thought exactly the same as you, because you, you go through all the writing of the novel. So first of all, it's just get to the end of the novel. That's <laughs> yeah. like, the, can you do that? And you yeah. get to the end, you're like, my God, this is amazing. I've got to the end of the novel. And then you do your second draft. And then you think, right, well, OK, now I've got to get the agent. That's the really important thing. So then you get the agent. And you think, Oh, phew, finally. And then then that's still not it. You know, your agent has to get you a publisher and... It's a tough time at the moment for publishing and and Alice had a word with me beforehand and said, look, you know, things aren't what they were five, ten years ago. It's, um, you know, I I can't absolutely can't guarantee anything, but we've got a good, strong book. Um, We we did a few edits um, and I added a few things, uh, things that Alice liked. She was kind of like, oh, that thing that you're doing, chapter five, I really like that. Can you do another one of those, please? So it it wasn't, it wasn't strictly speaking, um, you know, like line by line editing, but it was really helpful, very useful. So we we kind of worked on the the book a little bit together. And then it was the London Book Fair. So it was 2019 London Book Fair, back in the (laughs) pre-coronavirus days when we had book fairs.
1: The heady heights.
2: Oh, those are the days um, and yeah, so I think there were sort of four different publishers who were interested and we and, and we went with um Simon Schuster Scribner, Chris, who is absolutely brilliant, and I just feel so lucky to to be with him He's a wonderful, wonderful editor in every way, and the whole team are great, so it all happened quite quickly um, which and I was extremely lucky, and it was timing and all kinds of things and I feel I feel really bad now because there are quite a few people on the the Faber course who were who were doing it the you know, the normal way and the normal way is you send it out to 28 agents and then by the age of 28 you're having a few interviews etc. I feel like I've been kind of you know zooming down the motorway yeah. quite in an exhausted way and um, feel quite <laughs> guilty about it. Yeah.
1: Well. I mean, we'll come on to the book, but the book is, is worth it. So you could, I can understand why it was grabbed Im- immediately. But just, it, it's an interesting time because you're only weeks from it being published. You you know, the the media attention is building already, but what? how does it feel knowing that you've got this date coming? Is it like Christmas Day coming or is it like the dentist? Uh,
2: it's a, yeah, probably more like the dentist. At the moment. <laughs> it's, you know, it's really weird because, I think because I've been writing it for so long, so since January two thousand and sixteen, and even the having um, an an agent and a publisher for well over a year now, and I've been working with Chris on the book for a year, getting the final edits done. Um, so it, it's sort of been going on for quite a while. It seems like quite a while that part of it, and and so we've been building up. And I've always known oh, there's a book that's going to come out at some stage. It'll just sort of pop out and appear on shelves, but it always seemed a long way off, and I don't know, it almost still doesn't feel real, which is strange.
1: Yes, I can imagine. Yeah.
2: But over the last few weeks, what, ha- what has been, um, what has made it feel quite real, though, uh, all this, like, the book, blog tours and the, the interest from various press and yourself mm. and, and other people and people sending me questions and answers to do and things like that which is beginning to start and then even um, local independent bookshops getting in touch with me and saying how much they've enjoyed their proof and do I want, do we want to launch the bookshop and you know all things like that. Um, it, so it's becoming more real but I still can't quite imagine what it will be like and I think as well particularly with the coronavirus thing yeah. not being able to have a big launch um, it makes it even weirder it's quite strange but
1: Yes, and you haven't got all the audience reaction when you read a chapter, and the literary festivals that you get. I mean, I know there's lots online, which is super, but still, you haven't got that immediate reaction that you can see.
2: And and I think that's that's what I really miss. Well, like I said, I I, I teach at, at university, and so we've got all online teaching at the moment, and I hate it. If I'm absolutely <laughs> honest, because what well, I lo- I love teaching, I absolutely love teaching, but it's the the, the immediacy and and being yeah. there and the interaction and seeing people's eyes and they get it they don't get yes. it and that's what I really love and of course you don't get any of that at the moment that I, I can't I mean I can see you now we can sort of look at each other I can see if you're pulling a face or you're falling asleep or anything like that but the, in, with the university teaching it's just a blank screen so I can't even see anybody they could be sort of sat making a cup of tea or fast asleep <laughs> or anything
1: yes so it's, it's very odd loses the personal side of things yeah well right well let's talk about Evie I mean I'm once I finish talking to you I'll, I'll be going on about EV in some detail but in summary I thought this was the most extraordinary book my husband kept looking across at me when I was reading it because I would laugh out loud and I rarely do that with the book
2: oh <laughs> well, thank you it's
1: just the characters are just <laughs> joyous you know you could just imagine it and I couldn't think of anything similar that i've read i could only think of mrs bird probably you know dear mrs bird
2: oh yeah Um, yeah
1: but this is this is different and better i just think it. I, I really do think it's in a class of its own, and
2: oh wow, thank you. That's really that. I mean, times that's I, like you've, this. You've, you've read far more than I have. I think that's praise <laughs> indeed. Thank you very much. No, and, and I know from listening to your your other podcasts, I absolutely know that when you don't like a book, <laughs> you say so as well. <laughs> so, well, I try to be I'm polite. I'm coming up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, crikey, it's shocking, you know. No, it's it's absolutely glorious, and it's such an escape particularly at this oh. time it's uh it's it's just joyful but tell me who came first evie or her interesting family situation
2: um i think they, they kind of, i think evie probably came first i think i i i always knew that i wanted to write a book about someone that age i i i really interested in in that age because it's the you're not quite an adult you're not quite a child you're you yeah. you're, you're sort of still you're, you're very naive and, and innocent in some ways, but in other ways quite knowing, <laughs> yes. more more so than quite a lot of the adults probably. Yes. And, and I just think it's a wonderful age with a wonderful voice where you can have that combination of sort of the naivety and the knowingness, and, and so I was really interested in that and that that journey between be, or from going from being a child to an adult, particularly because. I suppose with my historian background I'm really interested in how decades do that so what I I always knew that I wanted to write a book doing a similar thing to to decades so when when Mm -hmm. does a decade become a decade and Mm -hmm. it always interests me that the 1960s didn't start on the 1st of January 1960 they they got going in actually sort of 63 or late 62 so that I find really interesting as well the idea of been on the cusp of something for, for 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 us for people and for decades as well so I, I always knew I wanted that kind of age and the setting and I think probably Evie well like I don't know I mean I, I, she was originally based a bit on my mum I think the, the very I started writing it right at the, in the first chapter I kind of like wrote the book from beginning to end and that first chapter in the car—not uh, yes. all, not all of it—I no. hasten to add, I won't say anything. But the, the car that my mum, my mum's family were both farmers, arable farmers, and—and and there is the story about my mum you know, nicking the, her dad's car to, to go off and drive around country lanes in Yorkshire. And I just had that image in my head, and I thought, oh, that's such a lovely image. And and so it started there, and it it kind of started a little bit of my mum's voice, a bit of my voice but then Evie's voice just took over so it's kind of not anybody now other than than her which sounds a bit weird you know but but i really just have that voice quite loud in my head now
1: yeah i mean all your characters are so rich and vibrant uh, <laughs> do you see them all in your in your mind as you're writing
2: absolutely yeah i've got quite a visual imagination i think you know sort of like i used to do a bit of art history as well so everything i've got yeah. a good visual memory i'm terrible at memory for many things but visually i'm okay um and so yeah i like to visualize everything when i'm writing and i like to think about the, the what do the people look like what are they wearing you know think about their voice and everything yeah i visualize the scenes a lot and, and try to bring them a lot to light and even some of the characters it's interesting yeah. I think probably a lot of first time novelists, maybe second and third time novelists as well, just drop a little bit of people into some of their characters. So I think there, there are certain <laughs> characters where I've definitely dropped um, some pipettes of people, of personalities into each of those people. So they're not sort of based on anybody, but there are little bits of people in each of those characters, I think, yeah.
1: Uh, and for me there was there was an essence of the best bits of last of the summer wine it was that sort of you know beautiful characters that are just so unique and quirky and
2: uh, i think that's why i want like a nice ensemble piece you know good yeah. strong characters yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, i mean uh, and i think the, the northern thing the yorkshire thing as well i think that's there
1: yes yes uh, i mean i could very much see it on, on tv presumably that's in discussion,
2: um not at the moment. I think they're oh. waiting for the book to come out. um But it's a lot of people have said that, so let's see what happens. I mean, that would be amazing. That would be absolutely incredible. Yeah, yeah but well. I, th- I think it probably work quite well. It's probably what people need at the moment, isn't it? Something nice and yeah. fun and light-hearted to watch. Yeah, I think we I all wanted need it to baby. be leaving. Yeah, I hope so. I certainly <laughs> hope so. It's interesting you say that because I started writing the second book, The Follow-Up, and I had quite a gap between the first and the second one. And I was really worried, thinking, oh, my God, maybe, maybe Eve has left me. The voice has gone or something. <laughs> and then when, and I was terrified to start writing, really, really scared. And, and I would just do anything other than sit down and actually write. So I've done lots of planning, lots of research. Um, and if I like, right now I've got to write today, and I'd be like, oh no no, I've got to hoover the hoover the the other <laughs> today. That's what I've got to do. And I find any job, and, and I was terrified. But then I did start writing, and it was wonderful because it was just like boom, it came back, oh. and it was so nice. So the you know some of the old characters are in the new book, and there are some new characters as well. And and I'm having enormous fun actually. Yeah.
1: So could this be a whole series then? Could D V be with us for a while, well, I, or I should I not?
2: <laughs> I don't, well, I don't I it all depends on the how well the first book does. if people like enjoy the first book I I always saw the story as three books it's a trilogy so it's sort of ah. and it goes out um so 1962 1972 1982 so that's how I see it that's and I've got the story kind of planned out yeah we'll
1: absolutely see absolutely fantastic <laughs> absolutely fantastic so just finally so we've got the book coming out it's coming out in hardback
2: that's e-book. right, part Back the 23rd of July, part back in yeah. sorry.
1: And audiobook.
2: Yeah, and, and the audiobook. audiobook is out now, which is which amazed me. I think it came out last Thursday. Um, I always, because if, if I'm honest, I, I've never actually listened to an audiobook. I always, <gasps> like, I know I feel terrible. So I, I always just get the, the books I enjoy reading. Um, and so it's the first audiobook I've ever listened to, and it was, the tape was sent to me, or the, the files were sent to me last week. And it was just the most amazing bit. I absolutely just beamed all day, because it was so weird. The, Helen, who's the actor who's, who reads the book, is amazing. She's done a yes. fantastic job.
1: It sounds great, I thought. It really oh, does. She's
2: brilliant. I love it. It's, but it was just so weird, because I know the words so well. Yes. And, and then having, having this wonderful actor read it out and really bring Evie to life it was very strange very strange in a lovely way in a really wonderful way yeah yeah
1: well fantastic and i just wish you all the best it's going to be a huge success i know it it's a great book so thanks Philip. i
2: hope so i really hope so i hope people enjoy it and how it brings a bit of yorkshire sunshine into the (laughs) gloomy coronavirus present that we're living in at the moment yeah it certainly
1: will thank you And so that's The Miseducation of Evie Epworth. Uh, I'd give it a 10 out of 10. I can't wait to hear what Evie gets up to next. And uh, that's a book I'm going to be telling a lot of people about. It's not a crime. It's not a thriller, but it's just a nice, refreshing change at this time. So there we go. Now, the next book I want to talk to you about is The First Lie and that's by A.J. Park. Uh, Now, this is also a book that's just been published. And I would say this is definitely not a feel-good book. This is a much more of a thriller. Um, and it's based on two characters, um, a husband and his wife, and what you are pushed to do when when things go wrong. And uh, from one event going wrong, just to how everything can spiral. Um, let, I'll read you the blurb, and then you can see what I mean. So a freak accident, an impossible choice, but what? was the first lie when paul reeve comes home to find his wife in the bathroom blooded and shaking his survival instinct kicks in alice never meant to kill the intruder she was at home alone and terrified she doesn't deserve to be blamed for it covering up the murder is their only option but the crime eats away at the couple and soon they can't trust anyone even each other um i did want to keep reading this i really wanted to find out what would happen it's not one where you think oh I'd love to spend Christmas with these characters. Um, certainly not that. I. It's, yes, it's who's the worst <laughs> rather than who's the best. Um, what's going to happen next? I did want to keep reading to find that out. Um, I thought it was well constructed. It was um, easy to see who, which chapter the person um, is about. So each chapter will start with the letter of their name. So it could be A. So you know if it's Alice or Paul And therefore, it's not one of those books where you get really confused about who the chapter uh, is referring to, as can happen with someone. You've got uh, the story coming from different viewpoints. Um, But uh, the ending was a surprise to me. Um, And it was one that, as I say, these aren't characters that are going to endear themselves to you. Um, But it's a, a, a good quirky thriller and one that I'm sure people find very interesting. So now we come on to My House Is Falling Down by Mary Loudon sorry I should get the pronunciation right first time shame on me. Now this is an interesting book. It's about an affair but it's not um it's not about the sort of the physical naughty stuff. It's about the psychological elements of it and it's about the thoughts of uh, what's going to happen and all the different emotions that, that you feel as, as part of that. So um, the blurb is for Lucy, marriage to Mark provided an anchor after several years of drifting casually across countries into jobs and out of relationships. Now, 42 her anchor is working loose. Bewildered by the demands of motherhood and dissatisfied by her work, she has also grown understandably resentful of her husband. Mark has serious difficulties of his own and whilst harsh self-reliance has kept him sane, it has alienated his wife. When Lucy falls in love with Angus, a pianist in his 60s, her shock is extreme. Adamant that she will not deceive her husband, she instead asks his advice. Mark's reaction, however, is startlingly unorthodox, leaving Lucy to steer an impossible course between duty and desire, adventure and security. As her marriage falters and Angus presses for commitment, she is forced to choose between family and self with lifelong consequences for everyone. Um, I enjoyed this book. It reminded me a little bit of a Leila Slimani um, in terms of the approach to relationships and the very different aspects it, it gives, because most books that talk about an affair, well, I don't want to give the game away, but they just deal with it in a different way. So this book is refreshing um, and it's believable and it's interesting in, in what goes on. So I would say if you're interested in reading books about relationships, about the feelings, thoughts, emotions behind them about, you know, when, not ju- not just when marriages are working, but when they're not, then this could really be one for you. I'd give it a strong eight out of 10. It's not the sort of book I would normally read, but um, the author very cleverly tagged me on Twitter and I felt obliged to, uh, to read the book. Um, and clearly she's a very, very, Uh, skilled writer. Um, So if you're looking for a traditional crime thriller um, book, then this might not be the first one for you. But it's worth reading because, as I say, it does give you quite a different um, approach and quite a different view on relationships and uh, when they're not all sparkling. So there we go. That was My House is Falling Down. Now, the last book I've got to talk to you about today is called The Organised Mum Method by Gemma Bray. I've heard quite a few people talking about this, including authors, and the the premise is a good one. Very simple. If you spend half an hour a day being organised and cleaning your house, uh, the house will look spick and span and you won't have to spend uh, a great deal of time on one particular day. Now, let's be honest, I hate cleaning. If there's a choice between reading a book, eating chocolate cake or cleaning the house. I do know which one would be my last choice, frankly. Um, Does anybody like cleaning? I suppose it's a bit like gardening. I'm not a big gardener. I want to sit in the garden and read my book. I don't want to have to sit, uh, don't have to stand there and garden as well. Takes time away from reading. Come on. Um, So this book is good. And if you're looking for a structure. Um, to follow, then I think it would be really helpful. It's not done in a knowing way. Um, It's I think it's fresh and and really useful. So if you're someone who just needs a bit of structure, then then great. And for me, it was a bit like when I would go to a new diet club and you get given the manual when you first sit down to read. You don't want to go through all the hassle. You just want I just want to lose three stone. Thanks very much. But I don't want to actually have to eat less. And it's a similar thing with this book. I don't actually want to have to do the housework. I just want a clean house. And frankly, the way to get a clean house, I think, is to live on my own away from my family because I can clean the house and three nanoseconds later, I'll turn round and it will look like it did before. I don't know what goes on in the minds of some people in my family. Let's just say clean, being clean is not their priority. So, Obviously, that makes them sound like awful things. They are, they are reasonable um, adults and children, and and the dogs reasonable as well. But they're just not. I like things spick and span, um, but I'd much rather someone else do it. So uh, what I would have liked from this book is for me to open the front page and Gemma Bray, this brilliant author, jump out and clean the house for me. That didn't seem to happen. It, it seemed that I still have to do the work, which was a shame, but never mind. So, as I say, it's a great book if you are looking to do the cleaning. Um If instead you don't want to do the cleaning, then you might just think, oh, dear, that's a shame. Uh, But yeah, it's great. It's uh, it's got the good method to follow. And I know a lot of people are using it. So I think it's a great book. It's just for me, it didn't deliver the "Here's, here's a clean house while you sit and read the book approach that I would personally have liked. But yeah, very good. So The Organised Mum Method by Gemma Bray. And I think that's all I've got to talk to you about. Well, we've had a long chat with uh, Matson anyway, so I've taken up a lot of your time, but I do think it was worth it. And uh, I just hope you're well. Oh my goodness, I've got another great author interview coming up next week. Can't wait for that. This is all very exciting. Um, so you take care and I'll speak to you again very soon. Take care now. Bye bye. <laughs> You've been listening to the QuickBook Reviews podcast. That's enough books, said no one, ever. See you again soon.
0: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer.